podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dyke sitting in for Kevin Graham, who is sunnying himself on warmer climbs. John Hughes and Patrick McGill are in their usual seats for the Wednesday bulletin. How's your week going, lads? Loads of smiles, loads of positivity. Well, mine's going well because on Friday I'm leaving you suckers behind and uh, <laughs> heading off to Turkey, so and I'll not be here for another couple of weeks. So Lovely. I, I'm I'm in a very good form. Uh, that said. You know, just the usual, I'm self-employed, so it just means you've got double the work before you go and double the work when you come back. So uh, exactly. I, I'm, I'm uh, running about like a headless chicken at the moment. But finding it very difficult, and I was getting to that stage, finding it very difficult to care. <laughs> like, well, really, John, just, I would just want to go. Yeah, absolutely. But you've still managed in your hectic schedule to come on to the Axon Bulletin, and that's what we appreciate. And we want to hear your views on loads of topics. Patrick McGilp, you've already been away this year, haven't you? You went, was it Slovakia, Slovenia? Slovenia, aye, for a long weekend. Uh, And I I went to Gran Canaria for six days in January as well. So you can't be a warm holiday in January, by the way, see escape in Scotland when it's absolutely Baltic. Oh, it's unbelievable. Um, And hopefully, you know, European away days to come in September, October, November. Um, But I'm, I'm feeling good, you know, feeling champion, you might say. I'm sure. I'm sure that joke's been made about a thousand times already. But, uh, feeling good. Yeah, well, oh, I, I'm. I'm hoping. Paul, I have to say uh, that I'm hoping this goes better than my last uh, foreign holiday, which has been about 2017, and uh, went to Bulgaria with with a a, a lady and uh, managed to call her my ex-wife's name three times. <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, no, it was a really good holiday. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, well, no, I'm, no, I'm, right. I'm pretty sure nobody has uttered um, to Ange Postecoglou the names of any previous managers that might have been at the helm. But yes, I can feel your pain, John Hughes. By the way, <laughs> we're going to start off with a happy birthday to former Celt Emilio Izagiri. Um Right, Paddy, I don't know if you've checked this out. What age do you think Emilio is? I haven't checked it out, but I'm going to say... When did he leave? Four or five years ago? No. 38, I'll say. 38. John Hughes? He didn't leave four or five years ago, was it? Was it as recent as that? Remember he came back? Came back for a swan oh, song. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'd say 40, maybe. He's 37. He could still be playing. Um, Emilio, 37. He won seven leagues at Celtic, three Scottish Cups, two League Cups, playing 271 games, scoring five goals and 40 assists. Remember, he went for a hat-trick and he took a penalty and and he skied it. Um, (laughs) But when I look at these players, I I just feel old because I look at his date of birth and it's 1986. So then I go and have a wee look on the Celtic wiki and the game prior to that that we played was probably not as famous as the one before that, uh, which was Albert Kiddy when we beat St Mirren 5-0 on the 3rd of May. But the day before Emilio Izaguirre <laughs> was born, 
We played in the Glasgow Cup final in 1986, John. Now, the Glasgow Cup final, even then, was quite a big deal. 40,000 people, it was played at Ibrox on this occasion, 40,000 people came out to see it. Rangers beat us 3-2, and the uh, Celtic lineup w- was as follows. Latchford, Grant, McGrain, Aiken, McGugan. Remember Paul McGugan? McLeod, McClare, Paul McStay, Le Petit Merd, Burns, <laughs> McGee, Mark McGee. And on the bench, Willie McStay and Alan McAnally. Celtic's goal scorers were the aforementioned plus Brian McClare. Uh, with a hat trick by Alan McCoy's beating us 3-2. But it was a big deal back then, John. It's one of these things, obviously, now it's a, it's a youth tournament. But even yeah. in 86... They were pulling in a crowd of 40,000 eyebrows for that. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. And there, there was some massive crowds for that. I mean, my dad's day and stuff like that, it was a huge, huge deal. It's just one of these things that's just ran out of time in the calendar, isn't it? It's just gradually downgraded over the years, but it was a massive, uh, massive thing. And I think it's good that it's still there, and I think it's good that it's a, a youth tournament. I think it's good it has that historic prestige because it gives them something, you know, to, to really be happy about if they win it. Yeah, um, so definitely. And the other thing I was going to say about it is I feel sorry sometimes for players. I'm always one for looking at the appearances of James Forrest or Callum McGregor. You know, McGregor recently getting into like 400 plus appearances. He's looking at that 500 barrier. But the players of the past, where the Glasgow Cup and the Charities Cup were actual competitive tournaments in Scotland, they've been kind of wiped from the, the history books, John. And I feel it's a wee bit yeah. unfair with the likes of Jimmy McGrory, who doesn't appear in the 500 appearance list because some of the tournaments he was playing in are now no longer valid or no longer treated as competitive tournaments. Well, I mean, you, you could say, you know, we were having this discussion before, but you know, if things go the way certain people want them to go in Europe, you know, the Scottish League could be a thing of history. The SPFL could be a thing of history. The Cups, all the Cups could be a thing of history. You might be playing just in some giant European uh, homogenous blob. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, we just don't know how it's going to go. And um, But, I mean, look, for me, um, the, their importance hasn't been diminished over the years. So they, they were very important of their time. You have to take mm-hmm. that into account. Just because things have moved on uh, doesn't mean they were any less prestigious or difficult to win at the time that we won them. Uh, so, for me, it doesn't, uh, doesn't change really anything on that score. Oh, definitely. Um, I'm really keen to get as many of you involved as possible in the comments. What are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about uh, a certain game at the weekend. Uh, who's going to be lining up in the midfield? I think it's a very good point of discussion. John and I um, and Paddy and Kevin have, have spoken about the midfield trio on many, many occasions. I've got a view on it and the reasons behind that. Uh, we've also got some kind of speculation uh, coming in about Carol Starfelt. We're going to be talking about that. Um, and also, there's been a leak and this time, it's not a team leak. It's a leak of a new Celtic kit. It's an away kit. It's black and gold. We're going to be talking about that. And everything else that uh, comes up, Jota not being in the team of the week, uh, team of the year rather, but uh, being on Martinez's radar. What do you think about it? Give us a thumbs up. Um, if you're tuning in today on a Celtic State of Mind on the YouTube, um, and that's exactly where Irishman in Porto is watching this particular game. Afternoon from a sunny Portugal. Actually, there was somebody looking for a bar to watch the game in Porto on my my Twitter page the other day there. I wish I'd known uh, where to find you. You could have told them. Um, About the players' player of the year team, let's start off with that then. Is Tillman in over Jota? Because they are basing it on a three in midfield. Let's start off with that. Um, Jota snubbed 
by Tillman, Patrick McGulp. Celtic did have seven players in the team, though. Yeah, um, very impressive. Um, I wouldn't disagree with any of the Celtic selections. Um, certainly not. I think, you know, right back, we had one right back for the first half and another for the second. So I think it'd be a bit cheeky to include either of them. Um, I, I, I think Jota's had a better season than Tillman. I think, you know, Irishman in Porto makes a great point um, that maybe it is, you know, he is a winger. They're talking about a midfield three. Tillman is a midfielder. So you're sort of hard pushed to try and include them. You could play a different formation, of course. Um, mm -hmm. I know they do that for the UEFA team of the year. You know, they play like two at the back and stuff to include players. So I think Jota has been has been robbed there. Um, but I, no complaints. I mean, personally, I think we should have 11 out of 11 because, you know, I, I'm not sure Duke and Van Veen would get into our side. They've had good seasons, definitely, but I'm not sure they get into our side. So um, I, uh, a bit, Bit disappointing to see him to see him miss out there. Yeah, and again though, John, we're going to dominate it because we've dominated the domestic game. Of course, we have. Um, feel a wee bit sorry for him, but I think he'll be able to compose himself and dust himself down with the news that uh, Martinez uh, fancies him. Jota's on his radar. He's talking about full international honours. He's representing represented rather Portugal at every underage level since probably 15s, I think. So um, that step up would be a huge achievement for Jota. Yeah, it would be. And I'd just say in terms of, is he, is he unlucky? Uh, uh, is, it, is it because of the formation they're playing? Well, unless the formation they're playing is a game that's not football, uh, then Jota's the better player by a country mile. I, I don't understand what the thinking would be there. Jota's you know, one of a couple of players that could be player of the year. Um, he, he, you know, he's so far and away. He, Tillman, it's, it's not even a comparison. It's not, there, there is nothing there. Tillman's nowhere near, he's not fit to lace Jota's boots. You've got to be kidding me, Owen. So I don't know how that selection was made. Uh, but if it's team of the year, you know, does it really matter about the formation? You're just really picking the 11 best players, aren't you? Vaguely. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not going out to compete. Um, so, you know, I, I, Kevin Van Veen, I, again, is an obvious. You can't leave him out just because of the number of goals he scored. He actually scored an absolute peach the other day. You know, the boy's got some skills now for a big lad. Um, but again, you know, does he? Do, would we drop someone for him? Yeah, you know, would we go to a four four two and drop someone for him? So, like, it's all, I suppose it's a bit of harmless fun, but tell me over Jota to me a favour. Do me a favour, uh, indeed. You know, and uh, but Jota is deserving of being uh, called up, and uh, you know, is deserving of looking uh, at full honours now. Portugal obviously have some very talented players, but that's a massive step for him, and. Mm -hmm. It's so important because this is the discussion we had before uh, about uh, Kyogo and Hitati and all not getting called up. If they think if they think they can't realise their international ambitions while they're here, that's going to be a problem, uh, and it's going to be something that people assess before they come to the club. You know, if they're looking at coming here and thinking, well, international managers don't fa fancy that league, uh, then that's a problem. So it would be a big deal for us as well. You know, because it you know it very much helps with Celtic's prestige. You know, this guy's out of Portugal. Uh, he's not playing in Portugal. He's not playing in one of the top leagues. He's still getting in the team. That would be massive. So, fair play to him. 
That's a great point, John. It's a brilliant point, especially when you link it into what happened with the likes of Hatati and Kyogo earlier in the the uh, season. We were talking about it on the Axon Bulletin, saying, you know, we, we certainly don't want them to be put off. We've got half a dozen players, uh, one of which obviously is out on loan um, from the J League. Uh, and as you say, we've got Jota there. And, and if he's able to get uh, full international honours, it'll actually be adding to over 60 caps that he's won between the under-15s and the under twenty ones, So he's been in and about uh, the mix at Portugal other than full international honours, which is just tremendous. And when he signed, I remember the, the press conference, we were in it, uh, and he was speaking so fondly about, uh, you know, the club he came from, the um, fact that he loved Cristiano Ronaldo. There's a great picture of him when he's just the mascot, I think, at a game, and he's looking up, up to Ronaldo. Ronaldo's going to be playing international football, Patrick, till he's about 50 by the looks of him. <laughs> um, and I think it would be one of the ambitions. Because I, I remember saying that when he scored at the Bernabeu. You know, Jota was very emotional that night, wasn't he? He was very emotional. And he has he has spoken in the past about Ronaldo being his kind of hero. Uh, imagine he shared a pitch on international level. That would be unbelievable for him. Yeah, it'd be a great personal achievement for him. Um, you know, it's it's quite funny. He's obviously a big Benfica fan, but he, he admires a guy that came through the sporting system. And to the best of my knowledge, he's a sporting fan, Ronaldo. I'm not too sure, but I imagine he is. And um, I, it would be a great personal achievement, and what John says as well. You know, it'd be a great um, a bit of a marker for the Scottish game for one of our players to be playing at a top international team. You know, yeah. it was a bit of a shock when they didn't reach the semi-finals of the World Cup. I mean, this is a, a massive national side. So for Jota to break into that side, um, and I'm pretty sure he was friends with João Felix from a young age. Um, and But, you know, the, the, the talent in that squad up front, Fernandes, uh, the other Jota, the, the lesser Jota, as I call him, uh, and then obviously Ronaldo as well. To be able to break into that, it's a, it's a massive... It's a massive achievement for him. It's a massive achievement for Celtic and Scottish football as well. And I think it'd be, you know, I think it'd be just rewards. It totally deserved. Um, and hopefully, if this is, if this is obviously it'll be something that, you know, Kyogo and Tati Jota want to achieve in their careers. And it, hopefully it's a, it's a sort of, I don't know what you call it, a, a way of encouraging them to try and perform at the top level. Champions League, you know, we're going to have six games in the group stage next season. It's going to turn into 10 the season after that. So hopefully, you know, they can play their best stuff at the top level and do Celtic and themselves a favour. Brilliant. Uh, another thing, this is probably going to appeal to yourself, John, more than young Patrick. Um, but when Izagiri was born, the top 10 that week, I'm going to tell you, because some of these will, you'll remember some of these. I don't know if you were um, one of the kind, kind of guys, John, who would go to a, a disco wearing a kind of shiny silver suit. That's what we used to do in Dunfermline. <laughs> and and there's, <laughs> there's actually evidence of it when the hitman and her came to the ballroom in Dunfermline. Hopefully that archive footage has been lost. Here's a top 10. <laughs> Rock Me Amadeus by Falco. Great uh, song. Yes. Live to Tell by Madonna. I love Madonna. I went to see Madonna in 2000. Um, Lessons in Love by Level 42. Excellent. On My Own by Patti LaBelle and Michael McDonald. Uh, probably a different Michael McDonald. Uh, what Have You Done For Me Lately by Janet Jackson. Remember the Eddie Murphy um, sketch that he used to do with that song. Brilliant. A Different Corner by George Michael. Can't Wait Another Minute by Five Star. Um, I Heard It Through the Grapevine by Marvin Gaye outrageously good A Kind of Magic by Queen and finally The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston a wee blast from the past John 
Any, any it, 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 it was Marvin Gaye. Was that a re-release? What year it was that? It must have been. It must have yeah. been 80, 86. It must have been a film or You know what it was? was it? You know what? It was on an advert. And it was yeah. for California Raisins. Remember that? California <laughs> Raisins. And the video had all the wee cartoon guys, all the, the Raisins dancing to Marvin Gaye. And obviously yeah. um, it was a re-release. Yeah. Any of them tickle your fancy, John? Uh, yeah. About three of them. Uh, the rest of them. The eighties the, the were uh, were a challenging era uh, for uh, you know for music. There was some really really awful stuff knocking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the likes of Five Star uh, and uh, their, their compatriots. Uh, Whatever happened to the awful. Five Stars? Whatever happened to the Five Stars? Uh, <laughs> they're not there this season, That's, are they? No, no, they're not. Amazingly, I don't know mm-hmm. what happened there. You would have think all well, those big achievements, they would have been uh, proud of them, but. <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, but uh, yeah, five star, uh, much like the other five stars, completely disappeared. Unsurprisingly. But to be fair, it is a castle jersey, so they might have just fallen off. Now, Celtic <laughs> follower on the YouTube. After all, personally, I'd probably drop Hatati to the bench and give Awata the slot. Hatati can make an impact, as could Moy, Abada, O, and if it Forrest Wright. Let's talk about the midfield here, right? Because. Um, I'm a huge fan, actually, of all the midfield players. So there's nothing kind of personal or or whatever against any of the, the players. But when I look at that midfield trio, John, you've done a, a pretty big poll. There was a lot of votes in it uh, around the midfield. Now, I'm going to stick to my guns here, right, and say that when we beat them 3-2, I felt that we were most in control of the game when Awata, McGregor and O'Reilly made up the midfield. Remember, Awata, come on for Moy. Yeah. Um, Moy wasn't fit and I, I just think we got control of the midfield now I know when we beat them 1-0 it was a it was a slightly different midfield in that Hatati started and I felt that we probably brought him back too soon Hatati, McGregor, O'Reilly um, so I'm going to say right and I know some people are saying it's a meaningless fixture I genuinely don't think it, any game against Rangers is meaningless um, and I would play a water McGregor on O'Reilly for the very fact that I think we, we seem to have the measure of them when when that was in midfield in the three two game, and I, I would be interested to see Awata starting against Rangers as well. Nothing against Atate, who I think's had a sensational season, but I don't think he's fit yet. And certainly nothing against Moy because I said yesterday I think Moy in the next four league games will play himself into the Scottish Cup final starting eleven. But for this game, John, I'm going to go for Awata, McGregor, and O'Reilly. What's your thoughts? Uh, that's uh, interesting. Uh, can I just ask but before I, I tell you the poll results, Patrick? What are you thinking? What would what would your mid be? Just for this game, or for the next five six games? For this game. For this, for this game. game. Um, McGregor, obviously. Um, Iwata and O'Reilly, I think, would be my two. The first thing was, the first poll I ran was uh, a complete waste of time uh, because it got 1,300 votes, 84% in favour. And the question was, um, I'd, I'd just like to thank everyone on the Twitter for voting because I, I put these, I was very busy yesterday, I put them out late last night and loads of people voted. So 1,300 people. Um, so I said, the game on Saturday, if you're the manager, what's your approach with the cup final in mind? Uh, play the kids and rest everyone. Uh, that was I think, Liam's idea after in the aftermatch. Uh, he, he may have been celebrating at that point. <laughs> uh, uh, rest uh, key players only or full strength, no mercy. And from the full strength, 
the, the addition of No Mercy, you may have concluded that that was my favourite one. Uh, but yeah, 84% full strength. Uh, so people are not for getting the foot off the neck here. Uh, it's wildly, wildly uh, in favour of uh, just putting them down, putting them to bed and uh, giving them no hope at all. And I've been saying that for weeks, uh, give them nothing. I hope, uh, you know, I wanted to beat them in the cup. I wanted to beat them in this game. Give them nothing to bang on about. I mean, they're all, if you look at their, if you look at the, the comments, uh, the, you know, some great stuff on Twitter, guys go through all those message boards and cut the comments out. Oh, talk about broken. Oof. Uh, unbelievable. One of so, my favourites, John. One of my favourites yeah. at the moment is Wee Widow on Twitter. He's more of a, yeah. a TikToker, but he's just got a knack of going through comments. I think he's looking maybe through forums as well. And and it's like uh, he responds to them all in a humorous way. So check him out yeah. on Twitter. And- oh, no, I've seen him. He's, he's, he's very, very good. And I have got nothing but admiration for those people who do that for us because it's an absolute cesspool uh, or a cesspit. Uh, and uh, I, I wouldn't do it or couldn't do it, so fair play to them, uh, and we got all the good stuff. Um, but what it came down to then was I asked, who, so who are you starting against Rangers? Um, and choose from the poll or comment against, uh, or comment with your own options, and it was pick your strongest mid-bearing in mind form, fitness, and recent performances as a unit. So the first option was, uh, now, there's another couple of options I wish I could have got in here, especially the one that you've both selected because it wasn't there. Uh, so uh, Callum, uh, Callum's in all of these. So Callum, Moy, Hatati, Callum, O'Reilly, Hatati, Callum, O'Reilly, Moy, or Callum, Callum, Awati, Awata, Hitati. Um, so the lowest one was uh, Callum, O'Reilly, and Moy got 4%. Uh, Callum, Awata, and Hitati got 22%. Callum Moy Hattati got 28%, but the winner with 46% was Callum uh, O'Reilly and Hattati, which is basically mm. what we've been going with for the last uh, a couple of games. Um, I would say, in my view, and this is you know another thing we'll come on to, like a question I asked later, um, but in my view, I think there's, a, there's an argument to start Moy um, now I know they, they say that he doesn't uh, you know the Rangers have managed to be physical and he's not in the game but um, our midfield hasn't been functioning particularly well and it's very difficult to put your finger on it because individually they're not playing terribly but just as a group as a unit we don't seem to be able to get it together I don't think you know we've been playing particularly well um, you know by our own standards obviously winning the games is all that matters but by mm-hmm. our own standards I don't think uh, were as fluid or as smooth uh, as we would like to be. Um, and uh, I think there's an argument for starting Moy. Uh, and, you know, again, I, I'm not Moy's greatest fan um, because I just think, you know, European-wise, he's not up to it. So, um, you know, but again, I'll come back to that because there's another question. But, I, I you know, it's a difficult one. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, if we were to go into that and play the same way we played on on Saturday, for instance, that first half, you know, wasn't good. Uh, you know, that's the bottom line. So I, all my notes are things like uh, flustered and nervous and all the rest of it. So maybe it'll be completely different. Maybe it is just the nerves. Maybe mm-hmm. they were flustered. Uh, or maybe it's something more than that. Uh, but I certainly hope it's not. I certainly hope they're fully relaxed. They're very calm. 
uh, they've enjoyed their celebrations and now they're just going to go out there and absolutely batter them. Uh, a bit of freedom, a bit of free expression. Yeah. 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 See, they did seem a bit stifled, John. I mean, Liam said that at halftime against Hearts. He, he mentioned that he thought there was a bit nerves. And, you know, these players are no robots, and as well-drilled as they are. And all you've got to do is, is look at the, the post-match interview with Ange where he gets very emotional. It just brings home these people are human beings. They've got the same emotions as us. Um, they might have the same nerves that you would have going into big games, etc. And although they've been through that process and they've won trophies, they've now won three trophies, now four. Um, there were, I thought there was probably a bit of nerves, but they'll be able to open up and express themselves this weekend. I'm a fan of all the midfielders. I mean, I even like David Turnbull, who doesn't seem to get a mention. Um, but my my strongest, and I've said this before, isn't the one I would play this this weekend. Just on this weekend, I would go for a slightly different one, which wasn't an option. But the strongest one is the is the midfield trio who got the most votes, in my opinion, John. Um, but then when you you start talking about Moy, you know, he was a player that I think he came in, uh, and uh, we people were saying it's a downgrade on on Rogic. And I, I don't think he was a replacement for Rogic, but we did certainly need to replace someone in the midfield because we'd lost um, the Wizard of Oz plus near Beaton. And we bring in Moy. And a lot of people were kind of underwhelmed by that, Patrick. And I think that the form he showed following the World Cup, getting right up to the peak of his powers, was tremendous. Uh, he was kind of undroppable. Then he gets that injury. And I just don't think he's got back up to the, mat, the match sharpness. But I think he'll get enough game time in the next four games, as I said yesterday, to be really in contention for a, a starting berth in the, in the cup final. What do you make of John's poll then, Patrick, in terms of the midfield trio? I mean, it is there's so much quality in there. Almost any of those three would work, uh, depending on the game that you're playing. I mean, it's a testament to how, how good our squad is that the, the selections we went for weren't even an option in the poll. I mean, we've got more than four options that we all think are good enough. Where's to James go McCarthy? John, <laughs> I want a recount. I want a recount. I think a lot, a, lot of, a lot of people would like to know the answer to that question. <laughs> um, I, I, I honestly do hate these questions because there are so many good midfielders in our squad and it's hard to know, you know with, with fitness and form because you've got about five options or if you include Turnbull, six options that you could play. It's, it's hard to say this is by far and away the best option. Um, so I think, you know, I I would still stick with O'Reilly and uh, Awata. Um, I just think, you know, Hatati come back from injury. Um, he didn't look the best in the semi-final. I thought he looked a bit better uh, the weekend. Moy, as you say, was out injured. Hasn't really got up to where he was in January, February, March time. So that would be my selection. But um, aye, it's it's an absolute testament to our squad. I mean, I, I'm another one that I love David Turnbull, you know, when he was playing... I think he played just about every game for 12 months straight, you know, yep. second half of the lockdown so season, important. first half of Angie's first season. Yep. Um, so to, to have him as sixth, sixth choice, and there's probably going to be speculation about his future come the summer, but um, we've got so many options, and I, I I don't buy that it's a meaningless game either. It's probably the most meaningless derby of the season so far, but it doesn't mean that you don't want to win it. I mean, Ange spoke last season about stumbling over the finishing line or bursting through it. We definitely want to burst through it in some style. We can break the Invincibles points tally of 106. We can get to 107. We can set all sorts, all sorts of goal-scoring records, um, mm -hmm. if memory serves me correctly. And 
you could say it's only really the cup final that's more important than this game at the weekend. And um, you know, you've got three other league games that obviously want to win. But if you're wanting the best players already, you can do that. So definitely, you know, no mercy, as John says. What was it? Eighty-six percent, I think, said no mercy. So. Um, that I sounds like a Van Damme movie from the the nineties, John. <laughs> it is a Van no Damme movie. <laughs> Absolutely, is yeah, yeah, yeah. But the yeah. thing is, it could have been a Van Damme, or it could have been a Steven Seagal. It could have been any of these guys. To be well, fair, they were churning them out. They were churning them out. No, it, the the one thing I would say to that, Patrick, about bursting through the finishing line. Um, as you know, we spoke recently to Martin O'Neill, one of Mark heroes as a Celtic fan. Um, and he, somebody mentioned that near the end of the night that we do, you know, be that at Barazat and Design or Gracie's, we always obviously open up the to the floor any questions that they feel um, I should have asked during the night um, and don't, I haven't had the chance. And one of the questions was his regrets. Martin O'Neill was a gr- regrets as a manager. And he said, listen, I've got loads of regrets. He goes, you're having regrets about decisions you make on a daily basis. He said, but one thing he does look back on was the season we won the league and we had the potential to go the entire campaign undefeated. And he, he played weakened teams and we lost two games in, on the bounce after winning the league. He says, and people go on about meaningless fixtures, he says there's no such thing because all these years later he still looks back on that with regret. He wishes he had won those two games. So, you know, I think Ange uh, and standards and all this kind of stuff, it's like on a daily basis when you approach your work, like what Callum said that um, in his post-match, we're coming back in for training on Monday. Um, when you've when you've raised the bar and you've got a level of standard, don't let it drop. You know, approach every single game in the same way. Um, and I'm very much of the view as well, John, that uh, we couldn't buy a win against Rangers for many of the years, my, my kind of formative years supporting Celtic. Uh, so, you know, I know that a lot's changed and the club has changed and we're playing a different Rangers. I know all that. However, I still want to beat them every time we play them, every single time. Now, by the way, I'm going to go back on to my wee jibe about James McCarthy. Tongue in cheek, I'm not having a dig about a, a Celtic player here. I think James McCarthy was a player very much like... Another guy who played in Scottish football, um, James McFadden, a, a player I always wanted to come to Celtic. I just, you know, he was just one of the guys that he had that whole Celtic state of mind, John, you know, and, and by the way, it does stand for a lot. But in recent times, I always wanted McCarthy to play for Celtic, always wanted McFadden to play for Celtic. Um, and I'm not slagging the guy off. It's just that I, I think there was a period of time when Ange came in where I reckon James McCarthy was probably quite important in the dressing room. And I think it was probably really important, uh, you know, on the training park as well. Um, but in terms of as a player, and this is a conversation Lawrence and I have quite a lot, he's not contributing. And that's why I would want to see him, you know, flee the nest at the end of the season. But I do see the merit in him coming to the club. I understand that, you know, a lot of the positives that he was probably bringing were invisible. We didn't see them on the park, John, but we probably it was happening behind the scenes. So... There's no agenda against James McCarthy. I think it's brilliant that he's came to Celtic. It was always going to happen. It was written in the stars. But he's not contributing as a player. And that's why I would like to see him move on in the summer. Well, yeah, it's just unfortunate, isn't it? Look, I mean, he came at very much the tail end of his career uh, and uh, he's been plagued by injuries his whole career and that hasn't changed. Uh, uh, and basically everyone was saying at the time, you know, I, I don't think anyone said a four-year deal is a good idea for James McCarthy. Um, so, you know, but the other thing it's, it's easy to forget is we were desperate. You know, we were really quite desperate at that point. We were desperate just for bodies. Um, and so that was a panic move. 
Um, but we had to get people in the door. Um, you know, we didn't have we didn't have a much of a squad. We we didn't have much of a team. Uh, so, look, as for it is, it, it didn't work out. Uh, it's unfortunate for James. Uh, you know, and again, not inclined to give him a hard time, as you say, Celtic minded. Um, it was just an unfortunate bit of timing. Uh, but he's not. You know, I, I, I mean, I don't know what he's contributed off the pitch, honestly, Paul. I, I, I just don't know. You might hear these things. I don't. I, I haven't heard anything about specifically James McCarthy. All I know is he's not playing, uh, and he hasn't played now for. I don't know. Has he played this season? He's not played um, this year. I don't think. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's played in twenty twenty three, John. Yeah. So you know, and again, the, the, whenever we're talking about, like, even even if we, you know, drop to the bench, you're talking about your top three guys there. You, you know, if you drop to the bench, you've got another couple of guys that could maybe start. So he, he's not even close. Uh, and I don't even know what's what was the last squad he was in. Um, so look, I, you know, we we can't have guys. Um, that aren't contributing like that and his wages won't be insignificant. But the problem is, you know, moving him on you know, will not be easy if he doesn't want to go. Because, mm. yeah, you know, they said, you know, we gave him that contract. If he, does, if he wants to sit and take his money, he's more than entitled to because it will not be easy for him to find another club because they're looking at his injury record, you know, and he hasn't played again. He wasn't playing before he got to us. He's not playing again now. He played initially a few times at the start, but, you know, he has not been, uh, you know, any manager looking at that is not going to be thinking, right, this is the guy we need in the squad. Uh, not for the kind of money that James McCarthy is probably on. So uh, it's a difficult situation. It is. He's played 62 minutes this season, John. 62. He's not started a game. Um, and the last time, I'm just double-checking this, he played a substitute appearance in the Champions League. Um, he, the last time he's played in the Premiership was in the 6-1 game against Hibs back in October. He was on the bench the following week against Hearts. He's never been in a squad since. So he's not contributed since October, uh, six months out the picture. Um, and I think that, like you were saying there, it doesn't make for great reading. And when we come to the, the summer, we're going to talk about what next season is going to look like, John. When we come to the summer, uh, what I was saying the other day there is, I think we'll probably take uh, a couple of blows. Are they blows? I don't know. Ange Postacoglu has set us up to expect them, maybe. A couple of first-team players maybe leaving the club. Um, and obviously there's been speculation around Abada. This week there's been a wee bit more around uh, Kyle Starfield that I want to talk about. Um, but we're confident, obviously, that if and when that does happen, as it did with Yakimakis and Juranovic, Ange can replace them and replace them well and often better the player, um, arguably on, on two notes there, but we'll, we'll need to wait and see on all. Um, and then you've got the, the question around the dozen loanees and how many of them, uh, them rather are going to come back to the club. My own estimation is that we're going to sh we're going to actually shift eight of them, eight of the twelve, the four that come back. It's mainly due to the, them having youth on their side, and then you've got the sell-on clauses of legacy sales like Frimpong, Tierney, and even Christie bringing in more and more cash. Um, so I think when we go into the the summer, it's not going to feel like a rebuild, but there could be major incomings and outgoings, John. Well. It, I mean, this can I can I just go back to uh, I, I put a question out on uh, Twitter. Um, I think it was last night. I was just thinking about who I'd play in the midfield, 
Uh, and we ended up, Aaron Moy was trending on Twitter this morning because people were getting tore in. Um, uh, and there was lots of opinions, lots of very intelligent stuff as well. Um, so that's the last time That's that. the last time an Axon contributor has created a trend since Mark Hughes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, but essentially... And it was because of my change of mind. So I, I was thinking this through. When Moy first came in, I was not a fan. And that's the first time, as I said to you on this show, that's the first time I used the phrase testicular fortitude. Because it was like, for the love of God, man, pass the ball forward. Can we, can we get I mean? that on a T-shirt for the merchandise? So, <laughs> <laughs> but that's, but that, you know, because that, that, that's when he came in, he was playing it so safe. But then he demonstrated... In, in, in flashes, you could see how talented he was. And then he just, you know, and he was finding his feet at that point and he, he wasn't playing particularly well up into the World Cup. Uh, and he just, you know, he wasn't taking the chances. He wasn't playing the ball forward. It was just, you know, uh, you know, a midfield of him and Turnbull at one point was where the ball went to die. You know, it was just so slow. Um, so, you know, that, that wasn't great and I didn't particularly like that. But went to the World Cup, came back, has been by and large, uh, sensational for us, right? But my point was, you know, I, I've changed my mind about that, uh, you know, because I think he's, he's he's played well for us. But the reality is uh, that he is not physically able uh, for uh, Europe at the level <coughs> that, that we uh, want to be at. And we, we saw that demonstrated this year. Uh, and uh, you could say that about a lot of our midfield, and that brings me back. Then that's what got me thinking about. So I said, "Here's a question: If you believe that Moy is probably first pick this weekend, as I do, and you may not agree, and we believe we have a much vaunted deep squad, how do you square that circle?" He's a 32 year old journeyman. There's been a lot of discussion about the word journeyman, uh, but you know, I just mean he wasn't really at elite level. Um, with all the pace of a tugboat, that's just me being smart. Sorry, sorry, Aaron, uh, not, not trying to give you well, an overly hard time. Are we suggesting that against the odds, he's better than he's ever been? Or are we delusional at the depth of the squad and in particular what's needed in Europe? He's 32, right? He, he was playing in China before we picked him up. Uh, yes, he's turned things around and he's done well domestically, but we know that he's not going to compete with the, the kind of athletes that we see in Europe. Mm -hmm. that, so that's just... So are, are we happy with that? Are we happy with the fact that, you know, that's really our squad level? And more worryingly, what does it say about the other players that he's getting in in front of? Um, you know, how good are they really? You know... Uh, do we do we need to wait to Europe, or can we extrapolate the fact that what we saw this year will likely be repeated next year if we don't upgrade? There, there is there is when you look at it like that, and this was a discussion, and it was a very lengthy discussion. Does it really mean we're kidding ourselves on about the strength of the squad in relation to what we want to achieve? I think it ties in, John, with a um, couple couple of discussions. The first one being how I think we can bring in some better quality players. And the big part of that would be we've already got a budget set aside for, for recruitment. You add into that all that money that, that potentially will come in on the, the sell-ons for the three players I mentioned earlier, plus the wages saved and some 
uh, transfer fees for the likes of Barkas, Ajeti, Etal, um, Soro, etc. And then you've got a real bounty. You've got a real bounty sitting there and you think, well, we, d- we didn't need the 12 players that were out in loan, so we don't have to sign another 12 just to replace a jersey. But what we might do is we might bring in four or five. And those four or five in terms of quality um, would be of that better quality that you're talking about, John. The the same type of discussion was um, had yesterday with Liam, where Liam used two other players, but with the same point. Where can we upgrade? And uh, two of the players that he mentioned, agree or disagree on this, because it, it was Liam's um, opinion, was Starfelt and Joe Hart. Now, I'm a massive fan of both players, um, but if you're going to be brutal and you're going to be uh, ruthless uh, and relentless in the, in the recruitment strategy, it may well be two positions. And I think the only thing that's working against Starfield, who's been in the news in the last 48 hours, uh, Anthony Joseph has mentioned that there's a number of clubs interested in him. I just think it's um, you could p- perhaps get a player in with more development in the tank. That's what I would say. I wouldn't say that Starfield's too old. No chance. At his age, he's no too old. But you might be able to bring someone in, Patrick, at 22 or 23, who will do that development whilst at Celtic and become a better player whilst at Celtic. We might already have him. It's maybe Kobayashi, uh, but I, th- I don't think we've seen enough of him. But the point remains, and it's the same point John's making there, um, in terms of the depth of the squad, how many layers do you go down until the players actually aren't at that level? Not domestically, but when we're facing Champions League level teams next season. Yeah, I'd, I'd half agree with Liam on that point. Um, I think we can definitely get an upgrade, an upgrade in Joe Hart. I love Joe Hart. I think he's he's been phenomenal recently, and I think he's been uh, phenomenal uh, overall in his two years here. Um, it's definitely been a successful time for him in the club. Um, not too sure about Starfield. Um, could we? Is there better players than Starfield that I think we could get cheaper? I'm sure there probably is. I'm sure Angie's the man to find them. Uh, I'm not sure it's an easy upgrade to make. I'd maybe compare it to the Jovanovic situation, where you're saying, you know, he's by no means old. He's only, what is it, 27 or 28? He's a solid player. Um, but you, when you look at Jovanovic, we got, what is it, 10 million from him. We've brought in a guy five years younger, and he's arguably done better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that, you know, that the recruitment team and Ange uh, and the club will be you know, if that's if that's a viable option for the club, they'll, they'll try and make it happen. And you know, as Anthony Joseph saying, if there's if an offer comes in for Starfield, you know, we're probably going to take it if it's you know 10, 15 million because that's money we can't turn down for a player of that quality. But um, we just need to have that replacement ready. Um, I think also, also no doubt the club has considered this. I, I can't imagine them slipping up on this fact. But when you're talking about guys like Turnbull, McCarthy. We spoke about Stephen Welsh in the past. These are all guys who you have to have. I think it's was it eight out of your twenty-three man squad in the Champions mm-hmm. League has mm-hmm. to be either academy trained or nationally uh, associated. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the rules are, but no, I'm sure Angie's considered that. I'm sure that's the first thing in their mind that they've planned out all these scenarios. But it's it's very unfortunate that three or four of the eight that we need are three or four of the guys who could be heading out the door. And it's yeah. why I said the. I think it was yourself and Colin in the podcast a few weeks ago. Mikey Johnson could be a player that comes back in. Um, you know, Abada had interest, I think it was before the World Cup, there was rumours of him. And I think in the summer as well, Newcastle were rumoured to be interested in him. So, as you say, there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, we've got 12 guys coming back. We've got a wee bit of deadwood in the squad. You've got guys getting older, guys we could probably cash in on. 
um, we're always looking to improve as well. So there could be a lot of movement in the summer, as you said. It's a good point, John, because you've looked pretty deeply into that. It was a point we discussed a few weeks back, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, home yeah. players. Well, the, and funny enough, after we had that conversation, so it is eight players and four of them need to be through your own system, four of them need to be through the national system, and they need to have been playing right. for you three years. Now, funny enough, your man, I don't know, you know, my, is it Maravchik67 uh, on Twitter? He does yeah. the really in-depth, brilliant stuff. I, I don't know who the fella is, but uh, if I was him, I'd change it to my own name because he does some fantastic work. It's one, uh, of, my, it's one of my burner accounts, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he did an analysis of the squad and I actually had the picture for last week, but I don't have it for this week. Um, and it was incredibly tight in terms of you know, those eight names. Yeah, I mean, James McCarthy was in the squad. Yeah. You know, when mm-hmm. we had to have him. So it was incredibly tight. Um, and it's not going to be simple moving guys on. And we are going to have potentially just Scottish guys or guys that come through the account who are not contributing, or through the club, sorry, who are not contributing. Uh, and we just have to have them because they have to be in the squad. Now, that doesn't mean, and his, his assertion was, that doesn't mean you have to, if you've got 26 places for the squad, that doesn't mean you need to take 26 places. In reality, we only needed 20, you know. So you don't need to take them. You don't need to have them sitting in the background sucking up money if they're not contributing anything. Uh, but, you know, if you have an injury crisis or anything like that, then you're going to look very foolish if you haven't taken up the places in your squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you know it's a massive, uh, massive issue, um, and uh, you know I'm hearing some big numbers uh, about what's potentially happening here. So from two different sources, I've heard fifty million, so thirty million out, fifty million in, uh, so a net of twenty million, and from another source, I heard the same fifty million, but he was basing that on. You know, uh, we've got assets of X amount, Champions League money and season ticket money. And he was sort of talking about 50 million net, which I don't think is even remotely plausible. Um, but potentially we're looking at uh, some, some very serious upgrades. And I think we need some very serious upgrades. I think we need some serious upgrades in all positions. And strangely enough, uh, you know, when you look, if you look at what Alan Morrison has done and uh, the, the data that he's looked at, especially during the Champions League, the one area that nobody's concerned about overly uh, is the midfield, because we have so many options in the midfield. But it's the one area in which we are weakest in terms of Champions League. And that's the one area in which uh, we are most dominated. It's the one area in which our opposition are, you know, phenomenal. Uh, they're just these fucking freak athletes that just so happens play football, you know, and uh, so, you know, we, we struggle, we're going to struggle in that, with that system because of that, because, it, you know, again, if we play, if we persist in playing uh, the 4-3-3, you know, there's a very strong possibility you can be overwhelmed in the midfield um, and against some of these players. I mean, we saw them, we saw them against the likes of, you know, Real Madrid and Red Bull and all the rest of it. I mean, you, you saw some unbelievably talented players in there. Um, so I th- I think we need upgrades and potentially in areas where we're not particularly worried about domestically because we're dominant mm-hmm. uh, and they're easily good enough. I mean, like, take Moy, for instance, easily good enough for Scotland. Easily good enough for Scotland. You know, great player having your squad for Scotland. Unpicks really stubborn defences. But you step up that level uh, and he just he's not going to be at the races. So 
and we've got a balance as well. We can't have a squad of guys who are all on massive multi-million pound contracts and all on starters contracts, you know. So, and then you've got, then you end up with a whole dressing room problem because you know they're not getting enough game time, and mm-hmm. so it's an incredibly complex logistical operation. It's incredibly complex from a man management point of view, from a contractual point of view, from a squad management point of view, uh, you know, from a sort of strategic point of view in terms of where we're going, how we're going to get there and how we're going to manage this the whole way. Uh, So, look, I mean, it's exciting times. It really is exciting um, because we have the money, we have Champions League, we have a good foundation, but how do we get to that next step? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and stay within uh, the the budget that we have. You know, how do how do we how do we make this happen? Because again, the other thing you've got to do is attract the players. You know, at a certain level, um, and if there's a good chance that you're, you know, and this is, you know, we've we've looked at this before plenty of times. If there's a good chance that they think you're getting pumped out of Europe early on, then you know the Scottish League doesn't really hold any attractions for guys who are currently better than we have. You know, so it's it's a very very difficult one. It is, it is a predicament. We've spoken about the sweet spot, John, whereby you to try and get the timing right so that a collection of players of that quality all happen at the same time. It's almost like, you know, there's an element of luck in that because by the time you bring in another two or three, you might have lost one or two. And unfortunately, you know, when you look back, uh, Colin and I did a show ages ago, when you look back at the previous decade, you could select a team who are all still playing who would make a dent in Europe, but they're all gone. You've only got three of them left. So 100%, we spoke about um, different markets that we're in as well. Um, yesterday, somebody says, do you think we'll break the transfer record? Nine million for Edward. And uh, Liam said, I don't think we have to. I don't think we have to because we're, we're, we're now operating in different markets where it's not all about the transfer fee. You know, there's an element of placing a belief in potential. And I think that we've come up trumps many, many times. When we've really pushed the boat out since Andrew's come in and we've signed Carter Vickers and Jota, we already knew what we were getting because they'd been at the club for a year. Um, Irishman and Porto, you're, you're on the ball today. This isn't an O and Mikey update. This is O, comma, <laughs> and Mikey update. Um, Mikey Johnson made the team of the week, uh, this time after his two assists in the 3-0 win which earned him player of the match. And there is another interesting update from Irishman in Porto on Ismail Asoro, who also played 90 minutes versus Porto and was not too bad um, as they lost one. Now, there's maybe going to be some surprises. There might be some players we can't get a permanent deal for and they'll come back. But based on the homegrown rule and the circumstances around that and some of the guys that might be leaving, like McCarthy, Welsh, potentially Bain, I can see Johnson coming back. Now, well, the big surprise there, Paul, is Soro playing 90 minutes and not getting sent off. N- not exactly. I know. <laughs> getting booked with a big smile on his face. That's what I remember <laughs> of a smile of Soro, incidentally. Um, a couple of other points coming in that I want to bring up. Someone says, would Van Veen be someone we're looking at? I don't think so. And it's no disrespect. Ed from Jed, I, I don't think it's disrespectful to say he's not the type of player that we're talking about to upgrade. He's had a phenomenal season. He is your archetypal uh, journeyman, John, in terms of the fact that he's he's moved from club to club. Not quite a Tony Watt-esque um, career. He's not had 15 clubs by the age of 29. Um, but he has moved a fair bit. And he's already spoken about perhaps this season giving him the move that he wants to end his career. He might get that big move. But we've seen it before. We've seen players like um, 
what was his name? Michael Higdon had a brilliant season for Motherwell, didn't he? Remember, he got player of the year and all that. Mm. But they're not that type of player that you would bring in and improve the squad. I think if you're, if you're buying a player from Motherwell, David Turnbull's that type of player. Phil O'Donnell was that type of player. You're bringing him in, Stephen Pearson even to a lesser degree. Um, hugely talented player. You're bringing them in, they're at an age where you think you can maybe develop them. I don't think Van Veen is that type of player. I don't know if any of you guys disagree with that, John, Paddy. No, well, I would say that uh, <clears throat> when you mention Stephen Pearson, I will always have fond memories of Stephen Pearson for when we played Barcelona. <clears throat> and I was at that game and I was right down the front mm-hmm. and Pearson was running the legs of himself. And it was a major, you know, we were all going out of our minds whenever we got out of the half. You know, so he was literally just running the ball down a blind alley and it didn't matter because we weren't under pressure for that 10 seconds we had the ball. So, yeah, Stephen Pearson uh, was great that night. Yeah. Um, but, no, I mean, Van Veen, <clears throat> you know, where, where, who, who, does he, who, who does he come in for? Uh, exactly. You know, we, so we don't, we don't play that kind of... If you look at O's goal, for instance, it was a carbon copy of Kyogo's goal just on the other side of the pitch. Mm-hmm. So we are playing in a particular way. The strikers are playing in a particular way. And I'll just say about Kyogo as well. It is ridiculous when you think about it. You know, when that ball comes in, I don't think there was a single person who thought this isn't going to be a goal. You know, now, a million times, you know, you'll have seen guys, they, they just, you know, that will hit off the keeper. They'll not get it over. They'll try and chip the keeper. They'll do something like that. Every single time, it's the right option. He just opens his foot up, puts it past him, and the way you know. And it's just, it's just like not in question, which is incredible. Um, you know, um, and Big O was a bit more. Uh, it was just uh, getting his uh, getting on the end of it, but uh, it was a carbon copy in terms of the style of play. You know, uh, and and how we created those goals. So where does a guy like Van Veen uh, fit in there? Now, if you're looking for something completely different, again, maybe, but look, he's he's obviously a very talented guy and he showed that against us. If he's good enough to score against us, then is it, does that mean he's good enough to play for us? I don't think so. I think it just, you know, means he scored a goal against us. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to knock the guy. I mean, uh, uh, some of the goals, that last goal I saw him play, that touch, the touch he took to bring it down was unbelievable. Um, and uh, then he absolutely uh, scored a, a screamer. So, you know, Kai's obviously a very, very talented player. Now, mm-hmm. he's the kind of guy we might have seen back in the day when we didn't have, you know, like, let's say like under uh, Neil Lennon, for instance, where we didn't have such a specific identity, where we didn't have such a, you know, the manager with uh, such a very specific vision, uh, and it was just bringing in the best players that we could get that would sign for us. Maybe we would have signed them, but I, I just can't see that sort of thing under Ange. And, you know, we're looking at stuff now about age profile, characters, potential, you know, how much is he going to get when we sell him on? Uh, and again, this comes back to the argument we were having before, and this is why it gets really complicated, because... You know, we we can't afford um, to have uh, to pay for and pay the wages for uh, a whole load of really, really, really brilliant players that were just sitting on the books and are not necessarily playing every week. So, mm-hmm. you know, we need guys coming in with potential, uh, and uh, you know that's what we're doing, and we're doing a hell of a job of it so far. Yeah, you know, they're not they're not all going to be winners, but what a job we've done so far. 
Ah, for sure. I mean, the player that springs to my mind, and by the way, I'm not going to compare them in, in terms of quality, but it was a similar type of signing. Remember we signed Chris Killen under Gordon Strachan? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And you were looking at that sign and thinking to yourself, is he really going to increase the the, the overall quality of that yeah. position in the park? And the, the answer was no. Uh, and I think that it's slightly um, similar in, in nature to that. When we signed Scott McDonald, for example, um, McDonald went on to have a, a decent career at Celtic, scored 32 goals in a season. Um, I think that was slightly different because uh, he had a wee bit more uh, youth on his side. He wasn't a youth as such. He was mid-20s when we signed him. So you're thinking to yourself, there's a chance there. And when you sign a player like, let's say, Derek Wyrden, um, you're, you're looking at the fact that at that time, he was probably one of the most um, exciting players in Scotland, uh, one of the, the most exciting Scottish players in the game. So, yeah, I don't I don't buy that. I don't think we would go for him. Um, one thing I definitely want to talk about before the end of the show, we're about five minutes to go. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Well over 800 on the live stream. If you like what we do, give us a big thumbs up on the YouTube because it does help. Um there's been a leak, as I was saying before. I'm going to come to you first, Patrick, because this away jersey, you might remember that they call it, John, when they, they marketed the original black and gold jersey. I'm sure they called it Black Magic. And there was a big poster in the Celtic view of Neil Lennon and Chris Sutton and all that doing the posing. And it was a cracking kit. And then New Balance done something very similar with it, Patrick, which I, I wasn't a massive fan of the New Balance one, I've got to say. But the pictures I've seen of this Adidas one with the V-neck looks an absolute winner to me and it could well be a mock-up some of these guys out there are great at the old designs and the mock-ups but uh, my question for you would be do you like it and when it comes to Celtic away jerseys what colour scheme what's the colour way for you because I'm a traditionalist I like yellow with green trims right I like that we've had day jerseys since the 70s what's your take on Celtic away jerseys yeah I think there's definitely you know there's three or four sort of Famous designs, and they always they always come back because of how popular they are. Um, you know, the, the pink certainly hasn't. It's not made its mark, has it? You know, the pink <laughs> and the pink and the grey that we had uh, in the Oof. season that Rogers left. That definitely uh, less said about it, the better, really. Um, you have a lot of there's a lot of I don't know if you'd call them away kits, maybe third kits that are mm. you know white, and you've got uh, those. You, you've got the, uh, the the Celtic sort of crest, not the badge, but the crest. Um, You've had, you know, as you say, the yellow with the green trims. I think it was, I think it was the thirteen fourteen season we had one like that as well. Uh, and then in Ronnie's first season with a white-ish jersey, I think if I remember correctly. But obviously the black and the gold is, um, you just think of like Larson and Sutton and that sort of an Oliva, and yeah. obviously a very successful time. So I think that helps. You know, you, you remember it fondly, um, because of how successful we were. You obviously had the black one. Uh, you, you can remember Hooper and sort of Samaras and stuff. And the black one slightly different because there wasn't any gold. But uh, I think it's a fantastic kit. And uh, as you say, these yellow ones, the Bumblebee's quite um, memorable. Uh, I know it's splits opinion. I'm, I'm a, did you see Lawrence wearing it yesterday? Bumblebee. Did you see Lawrence wearing it? I with did. Was he going to the Jota look, was he? The old Jota, he had the denim jacket, Bumblebee underneath. (laughs) Wee James, Wee James had the mullet. I've told Liam to grow the moustache. Tell me this, Paul, you'd be able to tell me my favourite jersey. I'm desperately trying to remember. It was a very specific, I think it was a a celebration of something. It was a black and gold one, uh, the tricolour 
um, yeah. on, on the arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was easily, I think, the nicest kit we've ever had. Beautiful. Uh, absolutely beautiful. But it was for something. I can't remember what it was for. Uh, it was the 125th. Yes, it was 125. Yeah. Thank you. For, yep. uh, thanks for reminding me. But that was beautiful. Obviously, I and mean, you can tell by what I'm wearing, nearly everything I have that's Celtic related is black. Uh, so black and gold are my two favourite colours. The signs for my business were black and gold for years. Um, so my two favourite colours. So black and gold gets me every time. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't care what else is on it. I'd be buying it anyway. So, uh, you know, black and gold definitely for me. Uh, love absolutely. Love oh, it's looking great, and hopefully we go for it. Um, but as I say, traditionally, I do like the yellow kits. We've had some cracking yellow kits, but I do like the look of that. I'm, I've got to say a big thank you actually, because um, some people out there are very, very kind. Random acts of kindness, love it. Uh, Fredo Conway uh, met up with Lawrence uh, Conley at a Celtic history. A virtual tour or or a or a walk. Um, I think there was uh, there was a few things happening recently, and Fredo brought along a copy of the Seven One program, a genuine copy of the a genuine copy, a genuine edition <laughs> of the Seven One program, and he gave it to Lawrence to pass on to the studio, which is really kind of you, Fredo. Thank you so much for that. We love a freebie, bring it in, and also we love things that we can maybe auction and raffle off for charities as well. One final thing to discuss them. I've got a few seconds to go. Um, the announcement of the Japan um, and Korean tour. Now, I know that you and Declan like a wee away day, Patrick, but is that a bridge too far for you? I think that's a, a financial bridge too far. I've, I've not looked into the, the technicalities of going to Japan and Korea. Um, funnily enough, my mum and my sister are going to Japan uh, in September, so they're missing they're missing the hoops by five or six weeks. But um, no, I think it's usually like Austria and I think Slovenia actually as well, funnily enough, you know, sort of that European area and then obviously changed with COVID. But it's been a bit of a no-brainer this. Um, you know, I'm surprised we haven't done it sooner. Obviously, we had the Australian tour. Now we've got the, the Japan tour. And then with all, we can try and branch out to South Korea as well. So. Uh, I hopefully you know it's a it's a successful tour, but no, I, d- I don't think I'll be heading on the twenty four hour flight to Japan anytime soon. Uh, I want to give that one a miss. I think, John, if we can finance it, will you be Axom's representative? <laughs> well, <laughs> I was actually uh, just saying to my missus the other day that uh, I, I'd, it'd be fascinating to go to Japan. It's it such would. a different culture, and you remember from the World Cup how people were just like struggling just even to get in and eat. They were all going to McDonald's because the, the, the culture was so different. Um, which just shows you really how remarkable it's been. The Japanese players that have come in and bedded in here uh, is incredible because it is just so different. And for that reason, I think a lot of fans might try and go and uh, it'll be a real fascinating away day. Uh, very, very much different from the usual stuff and uh, you know I, I would love to be able to go on it but uh, it, I think it's very unlikely but you know I, again I, I'm not entire I, I don't have a complete say over my budget so <laughs> I don't I, I'm not sure that uh, you know me just spending all the money for the holiday going to Japan would be much appreciated <laughs> uh, but I, 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 I would love to go what a fascinating uh, tour that would be and the uh, and obviously the marketing team have spent, oh, 
we must have contemplated this for up to I don't know a nanosecond. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is such a <laughs> such an absolutely obvious thing to do, of course. Um, but look, it's going to be cracking. I mean, I think it's brilliant. Another very exciting thing, you yeah. know. So it's really, really good. Uh, and you know, the, the the impact that has there in terms of our growth and um, you know the the, the 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 what it does for Celtic's brand there. Um, it's just brilliant. It's brilliant. So look, it's good times at the moment, and the fact that we're sitting sort of splitting hairs about, you know, who our best players are and who's in and who's out and all the rest. Of it, I mean, I think that's absolutely brilliant um, because that's it, you know I'm old enough to remember when that wasn't the case, and you'd be struggling to you know make up a team sometimes. Never mind you know dropping guys. So I think we're in a very very lucky position at the moment. Uh, and uh, we've been very fortunate with the way things have gone. We're very fortunate to get Ange in. We're very fortunate to have the, uh, uh, the the executive that we do at the moment and the way things are going. So, look, you know, um, all hail the mighty and glorious Glasgow Celtic. Oh, and yes. uh, I shall, I shall, I shall be watching um, from a sunbed in Turkey. I don't think you need a sunbed when you're in Turkey, right enough, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever those things are you lie on. Uh, I'll be watching Cocktail in Hand first thing in the morning because they're two hours ahead. Uh, or no, that would be first thing. I know it will be. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I fully intend to enjoy that and I, I hope we absolutely pump them. Superb, John. You enjoy your trip. Safe travels. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the chat. Well over 800 strong, which is tremendous. And if you like what we do, give us a wee thumbs up. If you want to come and meet us, um, talking to Jackie Mack at the end of this month at Gracie's, there are some still uh, tickets available. Click on the link underneath and come along for uh, Jackie McNamara with a Celtic state of mind. Uh, thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And thank you to John Hughes and Patrick McGill for joining me on a Celtic state of mind. Network.